Okay, everybody, welcome everybody watching online. Um, this is Norwood Free Methodist Church. And uh, I have an interesting message today, so I'm gonna launch right into it. I'm actually a little nervous about this one, Mike, because I'm gonna be honest with you, what I've been walking through in the last couple of weeks, my thoughts I present to you today might not be true. <laughs> I'm being serious, this is just my opinion. But, okay, yeah, I'm off the script already, here we go. Okay. <laughs> One of my big things is this. If there's anything in the Bible, you know what I'm going to say, you people know me. If there's anything in the Bible that doesn't look like Jesus, we don't understand it. Two years ago, I looked at the flood of Noah, and I spent an hour and a half, and I talked for an hour and a half. And by the time we were done, the flood of Noah did not look like an angry God who said, that's it, you've been too bad, and you're done. Come on, guys. Oh, number one, you have to be honest with God. If you read something in the Bible and it bothers you, you tell them. Don't act all pious with your pious self. There's stuff in the Bible I don't like. And you know what happens? When I don't like something in the Bible, instead of going, oh, bless God, I've just got to. No, he didn't ask me to be a robot. He actually gave me my free will, and he encourages me to dig. So today, we're going to look at a tough one. But anyway, the reason I can say this is because Colossians 1.15 says this. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus actually says, guys, ready? This is simple. I, I know I'm talking fast, Mountain Dew, okay? <laughs> if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But Jesus, there was, didn't you send a guy up a mountain to sacrifice his son? And Jesus says, you don't understand that. I don't have time today. I've already covered that twice. Well, you flooded the earth, Jesus. You don't understand that. And today we're going to look at a certain book where uh, this is huge. It runs headfirst into this book does not look like Jesus at all. Number one, I'm not tackling this because I feel like I need to defend God. I'm not doing that. God doesn't need me to do that. But because I believe we have an incomplete understanding of this particular book, or at least I have. I'll talk about me today. And I feel like God has been misrepresented by his people. Oh, yeah. By the media. Uh, yeah. And by everything else except himself. So today, let's leave church behind. Let's leave grandma, grandpa, mommy, daddy, and even your preconceived notions. Oh, I know all about this book. Maybe you don't, actually. And again, I might be wrong. Maybe you do. Maybe I don't. But I've got some kooky thoughts for you today. Uh, let's set the stage. Which book are you talking about, AJ? We're going to go through the book of Job. Ugh. And as I say that, most of y'all go, okay, yep, he suffered well. Good, good book. Uh, not really. That's what, okay. I, I, want, <laughs> I want to get through this, but I read that book, and I hate the book of Job. I hate to use the word hate. I very strongly dislike the book of Job. It doesn't seem fair. Number one, let's go. I have lots of slides that you're going to be reading. In the land of us, there was a man whose name was Job. This is a real story, dude. This is not a parable, okay? This is history. He's our brother in Christ, and we get to meet him in heaven if we make those choices, okay? This man was blameless and upright. That's important. He feared God. He shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 5,000 yawn. Am I wrong? I keep going. He had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of East. The reason I say that is because we say yawn, but that's actually really important. We'll get to that later. Next, please. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan, the fallen one who used to be Lucifer, answered the Lord, and he said, Um, I've been roaming through the earth, going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said, Hey, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is actually blameless and upright. He's a man who fears me and shuns evil. Um, does Job fear you for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his family and everything like that? You've blessed everything he's done. But if you were to stretch your hand out and strike that stuff you've given him, oh, I know for a fact he'd curse you right to your face. And then the Lord said to Satan, all right, very well. Everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself, don't lay a finger. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. 
What? I have lots of questions. Anybody? Hello. They didn't say Lucifer, did it, Walt? Satan, the cursed one, our adversary, hangs out in heaven now and again? Guys, come on. Do you see where I'm a little screwy about this, Mike? What did you do? Just read past it and go, okay. No, that, does that not screw with your theology a little bit? They're talking to one another? Come on, guys. Can we get real before God? I don't have time for anything else. Seriously, Packers are warming up as we speak, okay? <laughs> I gotta get There's buffalo wing dip, okay? So, so wait. The angels report to God. That's cool. But the devil went with them? That ought to really jack up your false theology. Either this is true or what we've grown up thinking is true. Let me do this. Okay. That challenges me. But this sets the stage for maybe, I'm not going to go into that too much about Satan in the throne room, okay? But maybe if that shocked you a little bit, maybe you can just put down your preconceptions for what I'm about to say. Because that shocks me. To think that God and Satan are not actually in a war right now, that they're actually, he was being civil to him. Mm, What? Okay. All you got to do is say what? Now just open your ears and listen to what we're going to teach today because this is a big deal. So Job's doing well. He's a good man. And all of a sudden, some sort of celestial chess match breaks out between God and Satan. What? What if that's me, man? I got kids. I know what happens next. Oh, yeah, that's cool. AJ? Yeah, he's doing his best, but yeah, go jack him up. No problem. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Isn't that what he just said? I don't like that. It doesn't look like Jesus at all. But you know what I did my whole life? I'm 37 years old. I've been walking with Christ since I was 17 years old. I just went, okay, and walked through it. And I said, no, 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 because now I realize that he's a good, good father. And my little insecurities and the things that I don't want to like, you know, don't want about him, he's not scared of those things. So I actually brought this to him these last two weeks and said, what was that all about? (laughs) This is my brother. What happened here? And once again, I discovered something really awesome. So let me keep going, keep going. Um, Okay, so yeah, here's what happens, guys. Uh, His flocks and herds all get destroyed, even his kids. All of his children are killed. Now, Job valiantly and fearfully says, slide please, this is what Job, how Job reacts. He says, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I'll depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. So this is what we conclude. All right, yep, he suffered well. Great. That's one part of this book, but do not stop there. You keep digging. You keep digging. It's a great out, outlet. But okay, so let's, uh, let's go on here. Next three, three more, please. Another day, the angels came and presented themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. Apparently, he has access, people. Next. Okay. Where have you come from? From roaming back and forth. Same thing. I just wanted to show you. It's the exact same verbiage. Well, he says, the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? Again. This is, this is look at Job 2. Okay. He's same thing. He mean, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and I promise you he's going to curse you to your face. Maybe. No. Okay, back one, please. Yeah. So he incites him again, and guess what happens? He gets these sores and boils on, his, uh, on himself. I just want to make sure you guys all know the story. So, um, And again, I say this. It doesn't really sit right with me. I want to say this. We're allowed and invited to bring our questions to God. Hey, I want to know you, because this, this is the posture, guys. Ready? Elaine, this is my posture. I want to actually know you, and this new information seems like maybe I don't know you that well because it doesn't work out. So my motive is not a challenging ant crying at the sun. It's not. It's me saying, I really want to know you, and if this is part of who you are, I will accept that. In other words, 
if this was just face value and God doled out suffering, he's God, I'm not, I accept that. I want to know you. Do you understand that? I'm not doing this because I don't like it. I'm doing this because I literally said, God, that's weird. It doesn't sit with how I know you. Change what I think to the truth. Can we, can we be those people that maybe 30 years into walking with Christ, we can still grow and learn? Can we do that? Or can we settle ourselves? I know, I know, I know. That's actually good because that's my entire point today. Hmm, interesting that. We're allowed to bring our questions to God. I want to know you. So this is what I've done in the last two weeks. I combed, I studied, I prayed. I look, uh, guys, I read commentaries that completely disagree with me. Completely. And, and, and okay, stop talking, AJ. But I'm, I'm the type of guy who, who am I? I didn't even go to school for this stuff. So I'm reading in my study Bible and they totally missed what I'm about to teach you. In fact, I had to really dig to find what, this is new stuff. And so you know what I was tempted to do, Val? I must be wrong because I'm a nobody. But you know what? My desire to know God is more than my, uh, you know what I mean? How, how I feel about me. So I don't care. So I kept pushing. And here's what I came up with. Ready? Three pals come. Three pals show up to talk to Job. This is what happens. I'm, I got to tell you the whole story today. So three dudes show up. Guys, that's great. You need counselors in your life to tell you truth. You put that thing down. It's destroying your life. Don't talk to that ex-girlfriend on Facebook. Don't be, don't be stupid, right? So three dudes come. And for 30 chapters, they sit there and basically say, okay, 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 Job, your life is in ruins, man. Like, look at you. Ugh. Uh, you must have sin in your life, dude. And, and you know what I mean? And, and, and I mean, they're not really wrong to have said that at that time, right? It was the law, blah, blah, blah. And they know the way God works. God is a God of just. So they said like, Job, what about this? And he's like, no, nah, I, didn't, I didn't do that. Well, did you do this? Yes, I took care of orphans and widows. Um, do you have a girlfriend on the side? No, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I wouldn't look after a young woman, right? To lust after her, right, Bruce? I just quoted that directly. 30 chapters of this. So what does the average person conclude? Okay, he's a good dude. He's been peppered. He's been tested. Absolutely. Um, let's look at the, let's look at, do I have this? No. No, actually, no, no. Just stay there. Sorry, stay there. I'm going to read it to you. This is what Job actually says. I'm going to read this to you. This is Job 29 because I can talk faster than you guys read and we're pressed for time. When I went to the gate of the city and took my seat in the public square, the young men saw me and stepped aside and the old men rose to their feet, says Job. The chief men restrained from speaking and they covered their mouth with their hands. The voices of the nobles were hushed and the tongues stuck to the roof of their mouth. This is what happens when Joby Job walks by. This is what he's saying. Whoever heard me spoke well of me, okay? And those who saw me, they commended me because I rescued the poor who cried for help. And the fatherless who had none, I assisted them. The, men who were the man who was dying blessed me I made the widow's heart sing. He's getting some badges on his uniform, isn't he? Keep reading, guys. Keep going. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. We don't often think that these dudes wore turbans, do we, Mike? They did. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked, snatched the victims of the teeth. I thought, I will die in my own house. My days are numerous, blah, blah, blah. People listened to me expectantly, waiting in silence. So Job's resume is tight. Right? This is what he says. I quoted you directly, and they're all quotes. Job 29, 7 through 25. Okay? They waited for me as for showers and drank in my words, and I chose the way for them as sad as their chief. I dwelt as a king among them. I was like the blah, 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 blah. Very, 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 very impressive. So we would go, wow, he was a really good guy. In fact, that's better than I've been, and yet this happened to him? So let's keep going. He suffers for no reason at all. I, I just can't imagine. No logical reason can be found why God would allow him to be, 
This is a hint. Sifted as wheat. To be tried, to be tested, to be brought low, right? Well, maybe not, because here's what happens next. A fourth dude stands up, and his name is Elihu. Okay? A younger guy named Elihu stands up, and he says this. Look, I've been listening to you dudes, and according to Jewish culture, you guys are older, so I haven't said anything, but I really need to talk to you right now. I mean, like, when you read it, you could just tell he's... <laughs> He's just pent up and he says this. Don't you people see what's happening here? And there's crickets chirping in the room. And he says, oh my gosh. All right, here's what I've got to say. Next, please. This is why. This is what happens. So these three men, Job 32.1. So these three men stopped answering Job in this because he was. Read it out loud, guys. Righteous in his, in his own eyes. The dialogue stops, right? The train, because Job and Job, Job was righteous in his own eyes. So how does Elihu react? Next slide, please. Elihu stands up and says this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He became very angry with Job because Job was justifying himself rather than God. Now remember, righteous guy suffering for no reason at all. Celestial chess match. Oops. Wait, maybe not. Actually, maybe not. They stop. Why? They stop because... Uh, he is righteous in his own eyes. What's another word for that? Two words. Self-righteous. If you're righteous in your own eyes, you look in the mirror and go, good job, pal. That's self-righteousness, is it not? Now, I want to be careful. I'm not going to speak ill of Job. I don't like that. I've heard preachers, preachers I look up to sit there and talk bad about David. He was a terrible father. Look, that's my brother. Job, we're going to see this dude. So I'm just going to give you facts. The man was righteous in his own eyes. He was self-righteous. His own works. What I did, what I didn't do. Do I need to read that big discourse about I went to the gates and the blah, 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 my resume? I gave it to you. I set you up. We looked at it as, oh, good job. But Elihu goes, hold on. You've just spent 30 chapters justifying yourself. And you sure are righteous on your own and, and, and in your own eyes. Elihu gets, gets a little worked up. But Elihu says some more stuff than this. Can we do another slide, please? Watch this. Elihu says to Job, but you have said in my hearing, I just heard you say, I'm pure and without sin. I'm clean and free from guilt. Maybe this is not some celestial chess match, Mike. Because Elihu said, I just heard you say you're sinless. Question, can that be possible? Good job. Anybody in here uh, pure and without sin? There was only one man who was pure and without sin. Jesus Christ. Job's righteousness. It was righteous. I'm not taking that away from him, but it came from self, right? Now, I didn't say any. I'm just showing you what, what gets said through this whole book of Job. But I heard you say, I heard you say. Job goes on to say, I, I'm quoting it so you don't have to read it. 34, 6, he said, you are, you are saying that God afflicts you for no reason, and you cannot say that. That's what basically is said here. Although I'm right, I'm considered a liar, says Job. Although I'm guiltless, his arrow afflicts me an incurable wound. I'll read that again. It's a quote. Although I'm guiltless, says Job, in 34.6, his arrow inflicts me an incurable wound. I don't deserve this. I haven't done anything wrong. In fact, as far as I can see, I'm the most righteous dude on the planet. I don't deserve any of this, God. And Elihu goes, do you hear yourself right now? Like, can you maybe be a little careful, Job? I know who you are. I know. You're the best dude on the planet. We all get that. And your three pals agreed with you for 30 chapters. But did you hear what you just said? Like, watch out now. Now, this, that's the one slide that put it over the edge to me in this theory. This theory that lots of people don't share. Four of my Bibles, <laughs> the commentaries don't talk about them, Brenda. 
You know how you get that page in the beginning? About this, about this book. This is about strength during trials. And I'm like, cool, that's some of it. But we can't miss this other thing, which is a dire warning to each of us. Do we understand what? Did you understand the same thing here? Okay. So let me keep going here. That's the slide, like I said, that put me over the edge and made me write the rest of this message. Elihu is saying this. You're wrong in saying there's no sin in me that needed correcting or refining. You're wrong, Job. Ready? You're wrong, Job, in saying this. I've left no open door to the enemy. And there's my point of the day. Why is this happening? I've done nothing wrong. There's no reason that the door's open to the enemy to come in and jack up my life. And Elihu goes, do you hear yourself? That's the door. What you just said is the foothold that the enemy has. And yeah, the main point today I'm trying to make is an important one for 2017, Norwood, New York, and it's huge for us. But before we get into it real quick, let's finish the story. Job, um, then God shows up and says in Job 38, one through four, the Lord answered Job out of the storm. And he says, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? He says, brace yourself like a man. I'm going to question you and you're going to answer me. That's God himself. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. He goes into things like this. Does lightning answer to you and say, which path should we take? Do you know where I keep snow? Where I keep snow to, to then come down? Do you, do you have any idea about these things, Job? And Job, of course, at the end, well, let me make sure I'm doing this. Job repents. He changes his mind, changes direction, admits wrong, and gets on board with truth. That's repentance. Don't be scared of that word. Oops, maybe I didn't know everything. Sorry about that, right? Let's look at Job repenting real quick. Oh, for me, God, do evil the mighty, do wrong, you pay the man. Oh, this is Elihu. I think this is Elihu talking. Yeah, for be, for be it for me, from God to do evil, for the Almighty to do wrong. This is what Elihu says. Yeah, this is good. He repays a man for what he's done. He brings upon him what his conduct deserves. It's unthinkable that God would do wrong and the Almighty would pervert justice. That's Elihu's stance against Job. I apologize, I missed that. Next, please. Job says this to God. I know you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked me, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Like I said, surely, Job says, I spoke of things I didn't understand, things too big for me to know. And you said, listen now and I'll speak. I'll question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Keep going, if we can. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much, twice as much as he had before. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. Also had seven sons and three daughters. Pause. I want to show you something cool. You want me to show you something cool? You got a couple minutes? Watch this. This one take me 30 seconds. Next slide should be Job 1 something. Okay, watch this. Watch this. In the beginning of the story, Job owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500, right? Blah, blah, blah. Boring, boring. Right? and he had seven sons and three daughters. So let's go to the next slide. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000, 6,000. Know, okay, so he literally doubled his stuff on the back end. Do I have the next? What do I have for the next one? No, okay. I'll save you. So Job had seven sons and three daughters, right? In the beginning. When he restores him double, he gives him what? Seven more sons and three, three daughters. Well, that's not double. Because the sheep, he doubled the number, Mike. Oxen doubled the number. So let's say if he had 3,000, at the end of it, he had 6,000 now, okay? But he had seven sons and three daughters to start with, and then he restores and gives them double, Elaine, seven sons and three daughters. That's not double. Yes, it is. You wanna know why? Because Job still had the first seven sons and three daughters. They were not gone. They simply weren't with him. It talks about the afterlife, people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Job had two dogs. 
At the end of it, God gave him four dogs because his two dogs were gone. But he had seven sons, and at the end, he gave him seven sons. That's double. Well, no, it's not. Yes, it is because the other seven are still up there waiting for him. He's going to see him again. Come on. Isn't that good? That's why you don't skim over the numbers and go, yawn. That's why I was joking earlier. <laughs> you would have missed the miracle. You would have missed the fact that God goes, and Job goes, oh, I know. Like David said, I'll go to you. You won't return to me. God didn't need to give him 14 sons. He still had his original seven, just not with him right now. And he's going to blink his eyes, and life is going to end, and he's going to be with his kids again. And that's beautiful in the Old Testament, long before we talked about the afterlife. So that was just a little nuggy for you. So there's the story. Now let me teach out of it. We're doing oh terribly on time, but uh, let's do this. Okay, this book is truly about suffering. I get it. It leans toward the idea that everyone suffers. The world is broken and sinful. Other people make decisions that hurt us. But it also challenges us and encourages us with this. Now I'm going to talk fast, and there's going to be some big concepts here. Take them and go. Take it with you and go. <laughs> Take it and go. Okay, so this suffering, and I want to challenge you with this today because this could be really heavy. This suffering that you see had to pass through the hands of a sovereign God. And I want to I challenge you today. All suffering in this world has to pass through the hands of a sovereign God. And God does not need me to defend him or not say that when it's difficult. It is difficult. But is that not reality? God, somebody quoted a long time ago and said this, the, the devil is God's devil. There's nothing he can do without God's permission. Do you understand that? Absolutely. Okay, God was not sleeping while the enemy did this. He was not off doing something else. It needed to be approved by God. That's one thing that I don't like about the traditional understanding of this too. It makes it look like God and the devil are here. This is so not the reality. There is no chess match, like I said. God doesn't play chess with his creation. There is no competition at all. God plays golf. He gets, his score is 18 every game. Perfection. It's the truth. The devil is the enemy. He's, he, yes, he's a cherub. Whoa, cool, cherub. Wow, okay, highest choir of angel. Created being. There is no contest. This is not, okay? That's something society has done, and the devil himself has tried to make you think he's equal. No, he had to walk to the throne room. Whose throne? Whose house? Ron's house. That's right. This is God's throne, yo, and you only come here if you're invited, and you only get permission to do what I'm trying to do in his life, by the way. You're my tool. He's a tool. Satan's a tool. There you go. <laughs> so here's the thing. I, I don't like that, guys. There's no fight that's going on, and I want to say this. Ready? Now this, hold me accountable to this because I'm getting a little fast and loose. Ready? This actually teaches me as well that... There is actually not a fight going on right now between Jehovah God and Satan. It shows me there's no active battle going on between the two of them. Now, you don't like the way it sounds, but theologically, I'm actually right. Now, here's what I'm saying. We are to fight and resist. There's a battle between us and them, but the two of them are not at war and, and hate each other and all this sort of stuff. No, God has an appointed time to deal with them. But until then, it's not like they're in a boxing match right now, you guys, right? Oh, there's this war going on. No, there's a war going on in you, bro. The heavens are very settled on who's the king. Oh, yeah, that's good. That got settled a long time ago. The war is inside of you. Which side shall you choose? Which doors will you open and close? But don't get this idea that there's nuclear bombs flying around in the spiritual realm because God just can't get a foothold. He just can't. And the enemy keeps... No, this is about us. It's about you and your life. Don't you see this in Job? That's what I'm talking about right here. So let me, let me get it. Okay, okay, okay. Ready, ready? Watch this. What, is, what, is, what does the enemy say? <laughs> what does the enemy say 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what does the enemy say? Grandma! <laughs> oh, that was perfect. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> so here's another thing that got me. Ready? And this is something, again, I've never read anywhere. Please, if I'm wrong, correct me, but not in public, okay? So God says to the enemy, and I showed you twice on purpose. See, I've been setting you up this whole time, Mike. Did you know that? He says, where have you been? And what does he say? Been going to and fro the earth. Now that was familiar to me. Is that familiar to anybody else? Peter will, Peter will help us talk about that. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So God says on two separate occasions to Job, where you been? He goes, walking around. And but what is he doing? You go to elsewhere in the Bible, so it's important to know the whole council. I've been looking for someone to devour. You ready? You ready? Where you been? I've been looking for someone to devour. Have you considered Job? Twice. Where have you been? Looking for someone to devour. Have you considered Job? Guys, this is not God being mean and putting up his A plus man. Here's my point guard. He can take it. That's how we used to read it. No, it's him saying, have you considered Job? Because he left a huge foothold open for you to jack his life up. And it's called self-righteousness. You've been looking for someone who you may, says. Oh, see, the King James says may. May I go to the bathroom? Yes, you may. By the authority vested in me, teacher, Steph, says, you may. I'm looking for someone whom I may devour. Do you understand that, guys? So I don't think this is God's A-plus man. You know, he can handle it. He can take it, Mike. What I'm seeing is I'm looking for someone whom I may devour. Whom may I devour? And God says, well, there's this one thing that I, that I put in place in this world, and it's called pride. Pride will always take you down. So have you considered Job? You know what it reminds me of, guys? It reminds me of self-righteous Peter who says, these knuckleheads, they might disown you, not this guy. I'm your man, bro. I'm your man. I'm going to lean on me. I'm never going to disown you. And Jesus says, ready? Hey, careful. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Come on. Anybody get this? And if you look into the Greek, it actually says asked and has been given permission. It's not, okay, our words are different. Asked and affirmatively answered. Hey, 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 self-righteous Peter. Because of that, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat and gave him permission to do so. And then the rooster thing happens, right? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Job is not just the story of God using Job as like a ba-boom, 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 right? He can take it. He's fine. No, something tells me that God is no respecter of man. And when God's put laws in place, even his A-plus guy, his LeBron James, his, right, is Aaron Rodgers, best player in the... In the <laughs> well, I can't say Brady. They lost this week. Whoa. But anyway, um, oh, don't tell Rachel I said that. <laughs> She'll get upset. What was I talking about? Okay. His number one guy, it wasn't about that, right? Maybe it was about something like this. Psalm 138.6. For the Lord is high. He, re he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Let me keep going. How about Proverbs 3.34? Toward the scorners, he is scornful. But to the humble... He gives favor. Now, I'm, I'm circling around the big ones. You know the big ones. You already know them by heart. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You exalt yourself, I will humble you, because I alone am God. He was brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the humble estate. Matthew, Luke, James, Peter. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I've preached on that three times since I've been here in two years, and I've told you before, it's in uh, Proverbs, 
but then it's quoted twice in the New Testament. So three times it says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Hey, have you considered my servant Job? You've been looking for someone whom you may devour. You've been trying to work the systems I put in place. You and I are no longer at odds. You don't get to come in, you know, you, you've lost your position, Satan, and you know your time is short. Yeah, I'm here to work the system. I'll, I'll do what I'm allowed to do. I'll work within the system because I'm your devil. You're the king. We settled that. Right. Have you considered Job? I oppose the proud and I give grace to the humble. And he's like, well, um, why don't I take his stuff away? Okay. Yeah, that's, let's oppose him in that way and see what he does. I'm not done. That's not my final point. God opposes. I've told you this before. I made an Andy Dion metaphor. God's on my team ready to block for me. I get, I get proud. He stands up and gets on the other team, puts on their jersey and opposes me in my life. And guys, don't church it up. I'm talking actively opposes me. Just when we get ahead, the fridge breaks. Just when this or this happens. No, guys, don't, don't make it high and lofty. It doesn't have to be a building falls on your kids. It could be the fact that your car can't work over and over and over again and I can't get that promotion and I, and I just, I've got this, I can't seem to, maybe you're being opposed. Well, God wouldn't oppose me. Yes, he would if he's a good father. Oh, I'll get there in a minute. Job starts our story righteous because of what he did. I didn't do this. I did do that, right? 30 chapters of it. And I bring this up because, again, this, I believe, is the open door that allowed the enemy to have access to him. See, God will not be mocked. I said this before. Even the best people on the planet, his system applies to them as well. You and me as well. God opposes the proud. But why, AJ? Well, the whole story tells it. It's in order to get them into a place of truth and humility. Self-righteousness is a lie. Do you understand that? Which of us want our kids living a lie? Believing falsities. We don't want that. In fact, we spent parenting is, that's not true. That's not what's going to happen if you do this. Let me tell you what really is going to happen. Don't touch light sockets or electrical sockets. You think it's going to be fun time. You're wrong. It's not fun at all. Just believe daddy. Believe mama, please. Right? Now, here's the thing, guy. Self-righteousness is what got Job into the place where he needed chastening, chastening, whatever, and correction. Job needed to lose self-righteousness to become actually righteous with God. And now I can hear it in the distance. You're a good, good father. Even in the book of Job, we just didn't understand it. It looked like you were really mean and callous God who didn't care about suffering. But wait a minute. And God goes, if there's something in the Bible that doesn't look like Jesus, you don't understand it. I'm not challenged by your questions. In fact, if you dig them out, that's how you and I will build an actual relationship between the two of us. Don't hide that. Oh, God, you look really cool, cruel in that story. Okay, bring that to me. Job needed real righteousness. He needed to lose self-righteousness, okay? We all know this, guys. Everyone on the planet has sinned and fallen short. Sin simply means miss the mark. But let's not church it up. Sin is a dark, black, awful thing that's destroying the world. Let's be honest with you. And every one of us know that there's none righteous, no, not one. But we can be made righteousness because of who we know. We could be made in good standing with God, righteous or right standing, because of whose we are, not because of how we are. And that's where religion dies every single time. Every Well, I did this today, so what? You're worth more? I didn't do this today. Which good parent loves their kid more when they behave and less when they don't? No, we love them equally through it. And we guide them and we lead them and we continuously love them. And I got to be honest with you guys, if you're challenged by this, fine. Maybe God's hoping that you'll come up higher. But look at this. They're going to go into prisons. And they're going to tell them, God does not hate you. 
You jacked your life up. Your parents jacked your life up. You made really bad decisions, but you are not damned and condemned. God loves you and wants you to be united to himself through Christ Jesus. Wait, what? Me? And you'll see grown men ball like children to realize, wait, I still have a chance? I still have a father? Yes, you do. It's not about who you are. It's not about how you are. It's about whose you are. And Jesus comes along to our prison cells and says, hey, I'll trade my righteousness for yours. Whoa, mine? Ah, blew things up pretty bad. Look, I know. But because I love you so much, you can take on my righteousness. But it's never going to be about what you do or don't do. It's about what I did and didn't do. Because everybody falls short, but except me. Do you want that? And God bless you guys. Lots of folks in this room have made that decision. Lots of folks listening online have. But some of us have not. Some of us have not made that decision. And I got to be honest with you, sometimes it's a self-righteousness that keeps us from it. Oh, number one first. This is where my application is. I got half a page. This is actually the best part of the message. I was working to get here, okay? So take a deep breath. Here we go. Ready? Number one, this is a pitfall for long-term believers I want to warn you about. Because at first, you drank, smoked, and chewed, and hung out with chicks who do, and you knew it wasn't about you. But 30 years later, you look pretty good. And I don't say those words anymore or watch those movies. Or... And sometimes this is the trap the enemy uses. When we think we're above all traps, this is the one. I've been in the church. I'm, I'm a leader in the church now. Oh, man. And it's not this or that that gets you. It can be self-righteousness. Do you understand that? The 30-year Christian, 40-year Christian who literally says, like, I'm good. Boom. No, you're not. I'm good, and I let you have that. Never mistake those two. It's like the book of James says. Works is evidence of faith, <clears throat> right? It's not the other way around. You don't do works to earn it. Works is evidence of faith. It is not, okay? Anyway, I could go off on that, but I don't want to. Now let's talk about this. Let me flip it. For the reluctant believer, for the non-believer, this is what you hear, guys, and this is where God gives me boldness, and I will not back down from what I'm about to say. The non-believer says this, I'm a good person. I don't believe this. I don't deserve this or that that's happened to me in my life, and I'm not even talking about what happened to you. I don't know, and certainly I deserve to go be in the Creator's home forever. Oh, that's a weird way of saying heaven, but certainly I, go, I deserve to go there. Because I'm better than so-and-so or so-and-so. This is what we hear, guys. This is what's keeping some of these chairs empty here. I'm good. I'm good because I'm not as bad as that dude. Who's that righteousness come from? That comes from self, you guys. This is exactly what the book of Job is about, in my opinion. Self. Now, I want to confess something to you. And I want to say this very clearly and boldly. My name is Anthony Joseph Daniels. Most of you don't know my name. It's AJ. They've always called me that. But it's Anthony Joseph Daniels. And I want to tell you something. I deserve to go to hell. I fully believe that. I've lied. I've cheated a lot. A lot. I'm not proud of that. Uh, I've stolen things. I've dishonored my parents. I've been angry at people. I, I've hurt people. I've been selfish. I've actually worshipped myself. What I mean by that is I allowed what I wanted to lead my entire life. I worshipped money for a lot of years. I deserve that. I deserve punishment because obviously when you do things wrong and break a rule, there's punishment. I deserve punishment, and I deserve to be separated from God. I don't deserve to be around holiness. I don't. I don't. I'm very well aware of this, guys. I deserve that. I do. Now, I, I truly understand, you know, Jesus came along and traded my record for his. He made me righteous because of his righteousness. And by believing him and following him, I am now righteous because of what he's done. I, I totally understand that. But notice what I didn't do just then as we're getting ready to close. 
I didn't compare myself to anybody else. I just looked at myself in the mirror and said, yeah, I broke the standard. Looked in the mirror and said, you've stolen? Yeah, I've stolen. I've, I've, I've lied. I don't care what Hitler did. I don't care what Mother Teresa did. This is about me, man. And that's what I realized. My self-righteousness does not cut the mustard. I do not deserve these things that I want in this life. But a good, good father allows me this. It's not about how you compare to anybody else. Phase one, three friends speaking to him. Three friends speak to him. Phase two, hearing correction from fellow man. Phase three, comparing himself like he should to God. And there's our answer for this day. The book of Job is this. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Compare yourself to God, and then you'll see clearly. And God stands there and says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Do you compare to me? How about this? I, said, I mapped out where the seas would go, and I said, here is where your proud waves halt. I'm quoting. It's beautiful, and it's not poetry. It's poetic, but it's not poetry. It's reality. Where were you when I lit the sun, right? And the, and, and the angel sang, and I don't want to get off on it. It's so beautiful. It's such beautiful stuff. But when Job compared himself to God, that's when truth came through and broke that self-righteousness off him, guys. He loses his self-righteousness and says something else. It's very telling. Job 42, 5, 5 says this, My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. So the question is, Job and all his self-righteousness, Bruce, did he even know God? Before that, yeah, I mean, right. I mean, I'm, I'm going with you. I'm kind of on the shake my head side because he goes, I've heard of you, but now I've seen you. So, okay, I wrote this really well. Ready? What mattered? Whether or not he knew the God he was serving with his righteousness. And it appears he didn't. He kept the law really well. He was a good person and it mattered for nothing. Absolutely nothing. We miss this in the book of Job if we think he just suffered well. It was not a callous God serving up a faithful man to go through a nightmare on earth just to teach us about suffering. If that were the case, we'd accept it. I agree with that completely. But this is a man who appears to have needed to have the self-righteousness filed off of him. Then he had a choice to drop that and pick up real relationship with God. And God bless him, he did. Guys, do you know what the name Job means? It means repentant. Yeah, it's Hebrew for repentance. And that's what he should be remembered for. Not that he was good, but that when he saw he wasn't good enough, he repented, changed direction, and the rest of his life was the most blessed of his life. Do you understand that? So, so that's a good father, man. If my kid is standing in the road and a truck is flying at him, I'm going to jump and I'm going to push the kid. Now, most likely the kid is going to fall. He might even break his arm. He might even bonk his head. Daddy, why you do that? You heard me. That's a good father. Because what was coming was way worse than my chastening. And that's what we see here. God served him up because you know what? Oh, 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 let's, yeah, let's, let's, I want you to see something. Um, yeah, I was proving this to you again. Let's keep going. Okay, this is one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. Pride comes before a fall. Whoa, you're missing, whoa, whoa, you're missing the meat of it. No, pride doesn't come before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. Don't misquote this anymore. Pride comes before destruction. So good, good father saw destruction was coming for Job. Do you understand this? And he lovingly knocked him out of the way. Guys, I've got to tell you something. In life, if you want to hang on to pride, sometimes you'll end up getting turned over to the enemy. And you'll end up in bondage for a while. And then you turn and repent and God, God listens and answers. I just gave you the entire Old Testament in one sentence, didn't I? Didn't I? The Babylonians are going to come wipe you out. Why? Because look at you. You've forgotten about me. You've, you've raised up idols. You're proud. 
So now you need to have a devourer that comes through, teaches you humility so I can accept you. Do you get that? And it's a good, good father because pride goes before destruction, not a fall, not some weird, oh, I tripped and fell. No, you will be destroyed if you think you're good enough. And again, I use the H-E double hockey sticks word today and I'll say it again. Hell will be full of people who think they don't deserve to be there on their own. But I wasn't as bad as down the road or that person that, that's standing with you. I remember what they did and then me, 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 me. Pride goes before destruction, dude. Even if you're Job. Even if you're Job or if you're Peter or if you're David. All right, look, I know you guys have sat too long. This is, was this good or what? Is this better than... Dude, I think maybe God was actually speaking something for real. God bless Job for doing this and teaching us this, guys. So in a haughty spirit before a fall. So a good, good father pushes Job out of the way. And don't forget, the rest of his life is the best of his life. So I think the takeaway is clear. We're, we're done for today. Where is your righteousness from or whom is it from? If your righteousness is from you, I want to throw up a big, big red flag there. The Bible is clear that Jesus is the only way to the Father, the only way, the truth, and life. And today, guys, whether you're following Christ or not, examine yourself. If we've strayed away from that, it's time to return, return to the truth. That it's he who makes us clean, not us. It's he who gives us value, not us. And to any of you folks who are not following Christ, I urge you today, even right now, to be really honest with yourself and understand what makes us righteous or good or worthy of mercy of, or grace. And if it's ourself, then I got to be like Elihu today and say this. If it's anything but the blood of Christ Jesus and what he did for us, then we're in trouble, guys. Because I got one last thing to say, and it's very unpopular, but darn it, you guys, trust me to tell the truth. Do you know that each and every person in this room is going to stand just like Job did face to face with God? Next slide, please. I didn't say it. Every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. And when God says to me, Anthony, or whatever he calls me. I think he's going to call me AJ because I wouldn't recognize Anthony. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, <laughs> and he knows me, so this is stuff I think about because <laughs> it would be weird to be like, well, you know what I mean? Anyway, stop. I ruined the seriousness of the moment, Brian. <laughs> I think he's going to say to me, he's going to say, AJ, you know, here we are. Give me an account of yourself. This is my home, by the way. Heaven is my home. So don't go talking to me about who's got a key to the door or not. It's my house. Why do you deserve to be here? And my only answer, I promise, would be this. Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Because he said, uh, who, who believe in me, he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. He said, and he, it's about him and his promises, man. Jesus, Jesus, come on. <laughs> Jesus would say, it's true. It's true, Dad. He's, he's one of mine. He's one of mine. Okay, cool. And not going to be a word about AJ. In fact, if there's going to be anything said about AJ, it's going to be me saying, I jacked it all up and Jesus saved me. It's the only thing I'm going to say. But there'll be a day, guys. So today is the day for anybody who's not. All, all, all you ever have to do, and I don't think a prayer even saves you. I think a heart posture where you say, Lord Jesus, I, I've missed the mark, <laughs> and I'm not even as good as Job, and I saw how that worked out. That was not so good. All you basically need to say to this is say, um, you know, Jesus, come into my life. Please forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me righteous. I want whatever this righteousness is. And I, and I choose to believe Christ died for me. He rose again on the third day, and he'll always keep his promises to me. That's what it comes down to. So musicians, let's get up here and, and we'll worship about this. We have a, a nice song called Jesus I Come. And the beautiful thing about this is um, whether you're a 30-year believer who starts to feel self-righteousness crept in or if it's your first time ever actually coming, we're always accepted when we come to the altar of God because he's a good, good father.